Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. Another college football season in the books as it is over. The Georgia Bulldogs, first time in 41 years, get a college football playoff championship, this time at the hands of Alabama, as the Bulldogs beat the Crimson Tide 33-18. to Good morning, Rowdy. Game yeah, was, good morning. It was kind of boring last night, you know? A lot of field well, especially goals. Especially the first three quarters. A lot of field goals. Halftime, what, six to nine? You're like, okay, um, is there going to be some action here? And then what, the uh, the pick six near the end is what sealed it for the Bulldogs? Bryce Young, how'd he look? The Meh. Heisman winner. Meh. Yeah. Bryce Young did not look too good for Alabama. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I thought Alabama would roll or you know get it done, kind of like what the SEC championship game. Instead, you know, it was. I mean, what was it? Was it just two teams that were tight for like three quarters, and then Georgia just got you know pulled away? Bryce Young didn't do too hot. Like what? What? What was it for you last night, Rowdy, for the uh, college football championship? Oh, obviously they're going to say that the defenses were really good because it's SEC. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it looked like it was kind of a bad team or a bad game for both teams. Yeah. Especially the first three quarters. Boring. I mean, I still think Alabama rolls in that game if they're healthy. I mean, they they real dad. That was a huge hit when they had Jamison Williams go down with a knee. Yeah, that was dude. Did you see him do it in slow motion too? Did you see the slow-mo replay? Yeah. You knew he was done right when you saw the replay. Yeah. That replay. I was like, Oh my God. First of all, I'm like, should you show that? And then second of all, I was like, well, I can't help but watch. So, yeah, the slow motion of that replay of that dude's knee was just nasty. And that's what kind of was the undoing, undoing I guess, of um, Alabama. I don't know. And the Well, the other undoing of Alabama, you lost a turnover battle, and probably even the bigger one, you settled for five field goals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the first half, and even in the third quarter, right, the, it was just field goal after field goal. It was so boring. It was a game that you didn't really want to see in the national championship, but it is what it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, how, how besides on the Razor's Edge bet that you had, which unfortunately didn't cash. How interested were you in Georgia Alabama for the college football championship? About as interested as I was in their rematch. What was that four years ago? Yeah, it's like I, I. For me, it was kind of like background noise for a while. I didn't really care. I just kept thinking like, when Wisconsin ever get here? Would Wisconsin ever get to this position? If they did, how could they ever compete? And um, I was thinking about this on the right end, Rowdy. We had a topic, God, a week, two weeks ago, inspired by news of the weird, and then it was just like a ha-ha-he-he topic. You know, which happens first? I would say it was what the we uh, discover aliens, like aliens are confirmed real, or the Brewers win the World Series. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And we both agreed on what? Aliens are deemed real. <laughs> Before the Brewers win a World Series? Uh, my question would be, what would happen first now? Take aliens out of the equation. I guess Wisconsin football, I'll just say getting to the national championship game or the Brewers, God, winning a World Series. See, getting to the national championship game is a lot different than qualifying for the 
college football playoffs, especially if they expand to uh, like what well, are they the going to expand? Right, twelve? Yeah, something rumors like that. are six, eight, twelve. That's what because with the expansion coming up, I thought it would be a little easier for Wisconsin to get there. As but they still have the, to win multiple games, especially with expansion, and get to the championship. So that's why I didn't even say win a championship. I would say get oh, man. They still have to win at least two games to get to the national championship. Maybe would you say win a game? God, I, see, I just want to say get to a national championship. The Brewers win a World Series, or the Wisconsin Badger football team get to a national championship. I might lean uh, Brewers. Winning World Series. Yeah, because I don't know if Wisconsin can win two straight games against some of these teams, especially not the product they've put out on the field the last two years. How could I make this? Would it be then getting? Because you, we would imagine, right? Wisconsin could get to a college football playoff, right? Once the expansion happens. Yeah, I mean they would have already have done it a handful of times. So let's say, what well, what would we say? Win a game in the expanded college football playoffs. Wisconsin, what's more likely? Wisconsin wins a game in the college football playoffs. Yeah, that's all encompassing. Or the Brewers win a World Series. Well, I would go with a game. Just because, obviously, with how they seed it, they most likely, on a good season, would be probably somewhere around five or six. Yeah. I don't maybe eight, but they'd probably have a, a shot at knocking off one team. I just don't think, right now, with what you've seen from Wisconsin, they can win it. Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, Wisconsin's now got a little question mark with Joe Rudolph well, leaving an open position, right? Think about what Alabama did last night. They controlled that game for pretty much nearly three quarters. We'll say two quarters, what, two and three quarters, yeah, quarters? Like give, it was three. nearly three just quarters. Three I know, quarters. Al- well, Georgia scored at the end of the third quarter to take the lead, but it was for mostly three quarters Alabama was in control of that game. Alabama didn't have, like, their top – Two receivers since the the two one tore his knee up in the game. The other one tore his knee up against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Plus, I'm pretty sure they lost one of their better receivers at the beginning of the year. Imagine if the Badgers had to play without their top three receivers. This that would have been uh, prior. That would have been Davis, and that would have been DK Achimre DK. It would be, Jack Dunn would be stepping up. You already saw what the Badgers did against Arizona State, a team that had a lot of guys <laughs> sitting out. They only handed Braylon Allen the football. They hardly threw the ball downfield. It's the most. Bo- it was so boring. The game was so boring. Yeah, they would have. They would have been throwing to what Allen and Bell, two guys that are freshmen that really have no experience. And Wisconsin didn't seem very interested in throwing it to. Yeah. And Jake Ferguson was hurt in that game too. If you equate it to the Arizona oh, State and game. by the way, their quarterback. He maybe once had dreams of him winning a Heisman, but I don't think he's ever going to sniff a Heisman. I don't think he's even dreaming about it anymore. So, I mean, what is Wisconsin? Rowdy, can Wisconsin, I guess the long answer short kind of here, can Wisconsin even compete with teams like that? Well, the What's the eye test say the past couple years? There's no way. <laughs> not, with, not with these rosters. I don't know how Wisconsin, you know, outside of the expansion of the college football playoffs, sure, I mean, would you give them maybe a win then? Yeah, you'd give them a win, Rowdy, and just winning one in the college football playoffs? De- maybe, depending on a matchup. Well, the matchup would be tough, as opposed to the Brewers, uh, what, winning the World Series. You have the arms for the Brewers. This is what you do with the sticks. Well, look at the look at the teams that for out of Wisconsin that maybe could have competed in a college football playoff if they took six or eight teams. There's only two probably in the last 20 years that I can think of. And that would have been 
2011 with uh, yeah. Russell Wilson, and I believe it was 2012 with Scott Tolzien. The two years where they lost the Rose Bowl. What do you think of the year? Now, I know they lost to Illinois, but that was when Jonathan Taylor was on a tear. What do you think of the year when they had it all in front of them, and then they lost in Champaign, Illinois, to Lovey Smith and the the Fighting Illini of Illinois? Well, he, even in that last game against Ohio State, I mean that that was a team that showed you, you could, they could go toe for toe with one of the better countries or one of the better teams in the country, but they always found a ways to lose. If you remember how they finished that season, choking against Oregon. Yeah. Now there were some bad calls by the referees, but they. Cho- I mean, Justin Herbert went wild. They finished nine and four. Two losses to Ohio State, a loss to Oregon. Now, granted, those were two top. 10, maybe top five teams, yeah. but you still lost to Illinois. So you look at Alabama, right? Alabama loses to Georgia. Georgia, you know, got it going at the end there. Uh, actually, you know, that pick six really doing it for them too, getting their first title since 1980. Alabama been a constant up there. And then you look at the likes of Wisconsin, and it's that it's that question that keeps dooming you as a Wisconsin Badger football fan. What is it that we need to add to the recipe? You have one of the greatest lines – Offensive line in the history of college football, like year in and year out. You got guys going to the NFL nonstop making buku cash. You always have a timeless running back, a guy who is, you know, if not in Heisman contention, doing things that no one's ever done before, i.e., like Braylon Allen now. You have a defense that's tops in the nation. I mean, Wisconsin's defense is one of the greatest juggernauts ever. And then you go and look at this team a defense that's number one, a running back that's, you know, destined for the NFL, a lineman on the old, the old line that are destined for the NFL. Is it truly just the quarterback and then the wide receivers, Rowdy? Like, what is no. that? What, what is it's it? It's a lot more. How, how can you not have sta- a sustained success, more success, when you have one of the best defense, if not the best defense in the country, a running back university and an offensive line university? What defense do you think was better this year, Wisconsin's or Georgia's? Well, I would have to go with what Georgia did to Alabama last night. Well, you could just see it. <laughs> How many times when it looked like maybe the Alabama player had the edge and a linebacker was running him down on the sideline, making a tackle for like hardly any gain? I don't think any of Wisconsin linebackers could do that. Yeah, I don't. Sorry, Leo Chanel's an All-American. I just don't see him doing that. It's frustrating, isn't it? You know, it's like you get this this team in Wisconsin that you love and near and dear to your heart and. You know, maybe, maybe if a couple lucky things roll their way, they'd be able to, you know, maybe beat Ohio State to get to something. But like Leo Chanel was really good this year, no doubt, and he missed some games due to COVID. But I don't know how many of those plays he could make because maybe he'll surprise us. But when they have the NFL draft and the NFL combine coming up here in a few months, do you really think Leo Chanel is going to run a four four or four five <laughs> at linebacker? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I'm sure the Alabama and Georgia linebackers will. Is it really just that? I guess it is that simple. This does it go down to the the recruits, Rowdy, the five stars yeah, compared to everyone else, the have and the have nots, the Jimmies and the Joes, and and especially team speed, the pros versus the Joes. And you look at Wisconsin, who they got a couple pros on there, but a lot of other guys are just kind of Joes that they get the best out of. Well, I just said, think about Wisconsin not having their top three receivers. They'd be absolutely screwed. Alabama was playing in a national championship without them. Yeah. And they, were disheartening. Still, and they were bringing in new players. And I believe it was Saban at, at halftime he was talking about because of the injury to Jamison Williams. Yeah. He's like, well, we got a, y- a lot of young guys with a lot of talent, but they're going to have to prove it in the second half. Yeah, because they bring in four and five, five stars. Star recruits. 
you know, you get down to the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth receiver on their roster. Oh, the eighth guy's a high four star. Yeah. Who's, you know, could sniff some like practice squad in the NFL or something. Guess what? That, that, you know, four star that's number eight on Alabama's Wisconsin's one <laughs> in a landslide. I know it's frustrating. It's the haves and the have nots and college football continues to, you know, if you're the haves, you know, you had it last night, Wisconsin. Well, what would you consider like a Cincinnati? I mean, they made it through the college football playoffs. Uh, thankful to be there. Uh, wouldn't you be thankful to be there as a Badger fan if you were a Cincinnati, like in this, in those shoes? No, I'd be thankful to be there. You know, Michigan, hell, I mean, how far away is Wisconsin from Michigan? Are they pretty similar? I don't think they? they're that far away from Michigan, but they're look at close. what happened to Michigan when they played against Georgia. And they got annihilated. Again, though, I would be happy to be there in the cultural playoffs because we've just never been there. You're happy when you get there one year, and then after that you get a little taste and you want more. Well, look look at the recruiting stars just for the Big Ten teams versus the SEC teams. Because in the SEC, you know that Georgia's going to recruit. You know that Alabama's going to recruit. You know that LSU's going to recruit. Yeah. You know that Florida will. Look at the Big Ten. Remember when they showed like how many teams were pulling five and four stars? <laughs> Alabama like trounced everyone. And then it was Georgia. I think it was Georgia, LSU, and like Ohio State that were consistently the top four teams the last whatever many years it was. Mm -hmm. But Ohio State's the only team in the Big Ten that really has been recruiting with the big dogs in the SEC. And it makes sense because Ohio State's the only one that's been ever been able to beat them. I mean, yeah, that does make sense because you're just stacking your team with monsters. Look at look at the other teams from the Big Ten that have made the college football playoff. Michigan, smoked. Michigan State, smoked. smoked. The only one that's ever competed is Ohio State, and that's the only one that rec- that, uh, that gets competes similar at the recruits. recruits. Yeah, man, it is. It gets frustrating, but I guess you see maybe the tide changing a little bit. Dion, so. Dion Sanders getting a couple five star recruits now, Rowdy. Yeah. Hey, what, he flip two, hey, did he flip two five stars now? Yeah, the first time he flipped that uh, corner who was, what, the was best it Travis corner, Hunter? And depending on what uh, publication you're looking at. Was, was that the, the guy who's going to go to Florida State? Travis yeah, he Hunter? was either the, the one or the two, yeah. depending on publication for recruits in the country, and now another five-star receiver. And then they go out and lose to, what was it, South Carolina State? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so, I don't know. It's... <sighs> You know, Rome wasn't built in the day, but my God, you look at what's going on here uh, in college football. I don't know how. I the, think Wisconsin the last couple of years has gotten has fallen way off from where they were at. I think they've dropped for sure. I mean, Wisconsin, did, couldn't you feel this ascension happening? It was like you had Joel Stav, even before Joel Stavi, to your point, Russell Wilson. Then you got, what'd you say, Tolzien, Tolzien. in there? You, you, you feel it building, you feel it rising. And then, you know, Joel Stave, you get a little, like, maybe plateau a little bit, obviously. I mean, he won a lot of games. He's all-time winning us. But he had a lot of good running backs, a lot of good defenses, a lot of good lines. Uh, but it's always that quarterback, right? And then uh, Alex Hornibrook then, you thought maybe you would ascend a little bit. And then what happened, Rowdy? Hornibrook brought well, you, you down. An, you had an orange bowl, and everyone really got on the hype train. C- yeah, because you could feel it. You could feel it, like, s- slowly but surely inching up. And they won 12 games. Couldn't you feel it like it was coming up, like it's, you're, you're you're like ascending, and then all of a sudden, the drop happens. And I wouldn't even say the drop. The drop came once Graham Mertz started playing quarterback. Yeah, because Jack Cohn, they still won nine games, and we talked about it. They lost twice to Ohio State, who was like the ranked number one for the majority of that season. 
Graham Mertz has one game. The second the second time they played them, they were neck and neck with them until some mishaps. Oregon was a top five team that year. Justin Herbert. You would say that the referees were awful in that game. They were. Herbert's still bald. And though. then they then they completely laid an egg against Illinois. Yeah. You take you take out the laying the egg against Illinois. They had an opportunity to sneak in as that four seed with how all the the games were For splitting sure. out. Especially sure. if they could have held on to that Ohio State game in the Big Ten Championship. But then after that, they've just fallen off a cliff. I mean, Graham Mertz played in the freaking Duke's Mayo Bowl and the Las Vegas Bowl. Exactly. Graham Mertz has one good game. I guess one and a half, right? Yeah. And this was the this was the guy that pushed us over, you know. The, this is the who Paul top. Chris bet on. This was the guy that do it for us, and basically said, "Jack Hohn, thanks for a year." And look at we'll see ya. I mean, I know Notre Dame didn't win their bowl game, but Jack Hohn had what five touched? What did four or five touchdowns well, over five hundred yards? Basically proved that he could go to more of an up tempo spread offense and succeed throwing the football. Yeah. Now it's not like Notre Dame is like in Ohio State. Or some of these schools that really run the spread, but they run it a little bit more. He still had a good running back. He still had good players around him. But I mean, he showed that he could throw the ball more. God, it's so frustrating. Yeah, Graham. Everyone was. I still need five hundred dollars for this Graham Mertz bet that uh, Mertz would, you know, dethrone Jack Cohen. Mertz's freshman Well, and then year. he had the Illinois game, well, and the Illinois game was it. it was the second coming. Which, I mean, yeah, with everything that was happening in the world then, when the college football was ripped away from us in the Big Ten, you come back and then that performance gets thrown out there, you're like, oh my God, this dude is the real deal. He's never sniffed anything close to that. Nothing close. Not a thing. So again, it falls back on. And that was an Illinois team that wasn't bowl bound and was actually pretty bad. They were really bad. Yeah. An interesting conversation. We'll continue it. I was just watching the college football playoffs last night, the championship game, and as well as Rowdy. And did you, while watching, did you ever think of Wisconsin there? No, not once. You ever think of the path to get there? So, Rowdy, we had what happens first? I think the last time I thought about uh, the Wisconsin Badgers in a national championship was unfortunately when Alex Hornibrook was a quarterback and they went 12 and 0. Wow, how the mighty have fallen, right? I. I the, the last time I ever thought about a college football playoff was when Jack Cohn in 2019, and they started out really hot, and at the end... Uh, How we have fallen. Wow. But that's only two years ago. I know. Well, so, I mean, as quickly as it fell, I mean, maybe we well, can get the, something back. On top of that, real quick, on top of that, you, you look at how this the team changed. Well, the defense still seems like it's been really good. Yeah, they're the best in the nation. The offensive line, I'd say, has gotten worse. The receivers have stayed about the same. The tight ends yeah. have stayed about the same. The running backs, obviously, there's a bit of a drop off from JT to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but the biggest, the biggest Braylon one Allen is they got to pick up the flame. Is the offense quarterback? It's frustrating. We'll keep talking about it. Corey and Marshall, what's up, dude? What's going on this morning? How you doing, guys? Just trying to wrap my head around what just happened, but it's, I'm good though. How about you? It's like wrapping your heads around the last couple of years. It's just not going to happen. So you just have to. <laughs> you just soldier on. You just keep. The only way out is through. That's what Winston Churchill used to say. So I like it. I like it. We're talking. Uh, so, Badger segment you guys chatted about back in way long ago, early six o'clock hour. Seems like forever I thought ago. It was a pretty good discussion you guys are having there. So, thank you. You know, thinking about that. Yeah, you're welcome. So, thinking about like. <laughs> What Badger players have been put in the NFL? You can see, like, okay, running back, they got a pretty decent pipeline there, obviously. Offensive line, they start getting perimeter players. 
they really only put one wide receiver for much every decade or so in the NFL, yeah. I'd say. And then you go on the defensive side of the ball, you don't get too many, I don't know, you can see edge rushers. You know, you got the Watts, obviously. And you don't really get too many defensive linemen or linebackers. Rowdy made a great point with Leo Chanel. Good try-hard guy, but you can see, like, even in that game against ASU, it looked bad watching him try to run down that quarterback. I was like, ooh, that's a tough scene right there. You can see how <laughs> he's more of, like, your standard, you know, downhill guy, not really a sideline-to-sideline guy. So, Godspeed, good guy, whatever. Yeah. I think, you know, another problem they got here, you look at their wide receivers, and they're all five foot nothing, and it feels like they're just try-hard guys. You mean to tell you know, me Jack Dunn's going to not take you to the promised land? Correct. So, like, I get the Graham Mertz side of it. He's had some dumb, dumb, you know, plays, and it's been pretty disappointing. But, like, it's kind of a two-man operation there, right? There's probably a reason why he always sued Alvarez's grandson every other place because the other guys are should be dusters. They should be on the bench collecting dust, you know? And that's what he brought up with Alabama. Like, all these guys, he could just run through it. Run through it, yeah. and they're all just disheartening, right? The, it's, it's, it's hurt, it hurts to say it out loud sometimes. Yeah, it does. But where it is, I mean, until they start being able to bring in some of those high-level players, and they don't turn into like head cases or whatever, or they don't, yeah. you know, they end up being as good as they are advertised as being. They muddle through. They'll get nice exhibition games at the end of the year every year. Go to a bowl game somewhere nice and warm. And uh, the money keeps flowing in. As long as that happens, firstly, that's what I think is the main barometer of success okay. down there. So, well, Corey, we have this for success. How about this? The Green Bay Packers uh, obviously get the bye. Zadarius Smith is back. Uh, the line's getting healthier, right? David Bakhtiari, uh, Josh Myers, Jair Alexander are going to be coming back. I don't know what other team can say they're getting healthier as the playoffs near. Any teams make you nervous about coming into Lambeau Field for the divisional round for the Packers? Uh, or are the Packers know, their own worst enemy? I'd say nervous. Not necessarily nervous, but probably the ones they had the most difficulty with out west were the 49ers. So maybe that one, yeah. right? They had to win on a last-second field goal, but they aren't good at time management, so they gave Rodgers just enough time to beat them, right? Mm. So ideally, I don't like them having to face the same team twice where it's like not in division in a year because then they kind of figure out your tendencies and they've already had a chance to look at you and kind of figure out what they can exploit, right? <laughs> so maybe if they played Philadelphia, I would prefer that. Not because Philadelphia is weak, but because they just haven't seen each other yet. Yeah. So like you're kind of catching them by surprise. Gotcha. So, like, talking about belly, like talking about belly buttons, catching you by surprise. Yeah, that's exactly it. So they could be <laughs> their own worst enemy, uh, but I – I think they're pretty solid. I was telling my wife this morning, I think they're going to the Super Bowl and going to win it this year. I love it. Here, well, Good. one last question before I let you go. All right. Do you kind of say that to your wife every year, though? No. Oh. I don't. I, I say that to mine every year. Packers I, win the I, Super Bowl this year. Oh, of course. I try to live in somewhat of a <laughs> cynical reality where I live. The cynical the reality. I like that. Yeah. Even Rowdy can. Realize, like, yeah, exactly. Rowdy's my. We'll go keep your, him calm down. But your like, cynical like spirit animal. Plane. The cynical spirit animal. You got that right. Corey, you're yeah, the man. I, I, think they're, I think they're going all the way. You guys are the man, too. See, Take it easy. See you, buddy. Thanks for, getting, thanks for getting us on track. See you, Corey. I try my best.
<laughs> I, try, I try my best. Rowdy, you found your cynical spirit animal. Let me ask you. Corey said he told his wife Packers won the Super Bowl this year. Rowdy, pretend you got a wife sitting next to you or significant other. What would you say to her about well, my, the Packers? Well, my biggest thing is basically since the Super Bowl that they won, oof, I, I think you could easily say you could feel – I feel like the Packers have a shot at winning the Super Bowl every single year because of how good Aaron Rodgers has been. Mm-hmm. You already I spoke will, it into existence yesterday. I will definitely <laughs> say that. It's already happened yesterday. This year starts to feel like last year, 2020, where you started to get, okay, this could be the year. This is it. 2019, I didn't really feel like that was a Super Bowl team. They they found ways to win, but it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And then 2020, like, okay, we're ass smoked by the Yeah, Packers. it felt like it could be it, and you're starting to get your hopes up. Same with this year, except for the only difference is they were doing that without a bunch of star players, and now they're getting said star players back. But when uh, Corey was talking about uh, the Badgers, I did see a stat last night with these are Georgia's recruiting classes that were playing on the field last night Oh God! for the reason why they were able to take out Alabama. Oh, God. In 2018, they were ranked the first recruiting class they had eight five stars and 15 four stars where was wisconsin in that <laughs> I, go look <laughs> 2019 kirby smart came in at number one in the country again three five stars 15 four stars mm. 2020 first again five five stars 14 four stars and then 2021 five he came in ranked fifth with two five stars and 13 four stars mm. It only took him in that four-year period with the guys that are on that roster. It only took him. Well, you look at it. 18 five-stars and nearly 64 stars. To win the national championship. To beat Alabama and win the national championship. How many five-stars and four-stars does Wisconsin have? Tell me when Wisconsin will ever get those numbers with recruiting stars. Probably when they win a few national titles. I think the silence initially was deafening on, on that. Let's go to the phones, Greg. Who's this? Got to thank Corey for bringing us back to reality. Nathan, is that you? Yeah. You're back. Line round yeah. two. I'm gonna be like Charlie today. You're drunk. Like, oh, no, not yet. What's Maybe happening, then, bro? What's happening? So, first of all, I can picture you at the beginning of training camp, sounding like the guys from the movie Major League at the beginning of spring training. This is our year, boys! Except for we don't end up in dead last every year. So <laughs> I am every year. Every year that there's Aaron Rodgers, and before that, Brett Favre, I said Packers were in the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, it's, that's, that's a safe bet. I mean, it's just like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. It's a safe bet. Yep. Um, you know, as far as the comment with the wide receivers and the junk that the, or the Badgers have had, I mean, you look at it, and it's been running back you. You look at the quarterbacks that we've had over the last 20 years compared to the running backs, what wide receiver wants to come here? You're going to hand the ball off 60 times. You've got a quarterback that can throw like Ben Roethlisberger this year. I mean, we've had some good quarterbacks, but, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the reality is you just you got an awesome offensive line and fantastic running backs. NFL has proven that that's where the Badgers lie. You know, um, as far as teams to fear – Coming into Lambeau Field, I think the drywall guy fears the Rams. <laughs> Odell? Yeah, that, that, that joker. And let's just hope that we don't have as bad time management as the Chargers at the end of overtime. I don't understand that train of thought. 
Hey, let's call a timeout so they got to punt it. No, just play for the – do you not know what the situation is? I mean, you're the head coach. Yeah. Somebody should be in your ear going, okay, if we tie, we win, yeah. technically. Now, Nathan, so that's now a phone call. Paper no, that's All a phone right. call. Well done. Gold star in the I fridge know. for I you. I had to redeem myself. You did. I mean, I you did. I, I fell in between Charlie and Scotty. I threw I you off. I threw you off with the belly button talk. I, that's my. That's my bad. So yeah, you redeemed yeah, yourself. Well done. See oh, you, thank God. See you, buddy. Much love. Right. Still love you. Bye. All right. Yeah. So uh, RJ. Oh hi. Two dueling topics right now: Packers and Badgers. Uh, I guess we'll go with the one at hand of Corey and Rowdy was just talking about. <sighs> Rome wasn't built in the day for Alabama. Rome was built pretty quickly for Georgia. With how many what was that, Rowdy? Sixty some four stars. Yeah, it was over fifteen five stars and sixty four stars. Oh, and by the way, I still think Alabama probably rolls in that game if they had their top two receivers, who are their most explosive players. Yeah, I guess it's the age old question. So you need what's Wisconsin's got to do? Um. If you have the best, one of the best defenses, you got one of the you know best offensive line. You always got a good running back. Or is it just because it's in the Big Ten, and you can beat up guys in the West? No, you don't. You don't have guys go for almost two thousand yards and have it just be because it's in the Big Ten. I just don't get it. That bugs me. Um, I guess it bugs everybody. Eight. Yeah, it's a big it's, broader it's, question than what it is. At some point, it's it's the talent gap. I mean, you have to kind of take that in consideration. But I mean, you look at Alabama. Um, they went a long time between national championships from 79 to 92 and then not till 2009. Um, and now they're winning them. Um, but still it's, it's one of those. It's maddening. Yeah. It's maddening. There's there's no real explanation because I mean, everybody can point to, to one thing or another, but at some point, it all just becomes hearsay. Yeah. Well, I, I think the one oops. thing is when you look at their uh, recruiting, you can get the guys good enough on the offensive defensive line in Wisconsin and mm-hmm. in the Midwest, but um, pretty much every other skilled mm-hmm. position, you're probably going to have to look to the south or the west coast, mm-hmm. and um, they really haven't had a ton of success in those two areas. Yeah. They're still just like the basketball team. They're mostly recruiting Wisconsin and the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about last week around this time, I believe, the MVP odds for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and he it was, was like, clear yeah, it cut. was like he was clear cut favorite. Tom Brady was second, and then it was like Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, and kind of like a, I think Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow was like up there a little bit. Well, we have an updated one, and now this Update. is obviously regular season's over, so yep. these are the last odds here. And when do they usually announce that, like right, like a week before the Super Bowl? Uh, it might be. That would make sense because that's around the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head. It's not going to be next week. Mm-mm. So the uh, new updated odds for MVP Aaron Rodgers actually becoming a little bit of a heavier favorite. He goes from minus 450 <laughs> to minus 480, Woo! so that's a – Another thirty cents on being a favorite, but Tom Brady, his odds also increased. Oh. He went from plus four fifty to plus three eighty, so that's a seventy cent change. But then everyone else fell off. Yeah, JT had to have fallen off because his game. JT stunk. is now not even in the top uh, six. Who's oh really? Who's who rounds it out? Uh, obviously, Rogers one, Brady two, Joe Burrow three, and then it's Mahomes, Prescott, 
Cup in the top six. Oh, Dak Prescott. Oh, I mean, Dak did ball out that final game. How about this? Aaron Rodgers threw for 37 touchdown passes and just four interceptions this season. He now has three seasons of at least 35 passing tutties and five or fewer interceptions. Every other player in NFL history has combined for just one. Wow. Aaron Charles Rogers. Bow down to greatness. Well, and that's also why we said for him to tie Brett Favre for interceptions in a career, he'd have to have about a 50-year NFL career. Yeah, to tie his interceptions, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously he's not going to play 50 years. <laughs> With modern medical advances, maybe, Rowdy. But, oh, yeah. there's a 72-year-old Aaron Rodgers trotting around <laughs> out there. What's Tom Brady, 44? Yeah, well, he just broke his uh, – he once again threw more touchdowns this year than years old he is. Yeah. I think he had 45 touchdowns to obviously 44. I mean, Tom Brady has found the fountain of youth or something. Aaron, Let's get Aaron Rodgers on. I know Aaron Rodgers you know, kind of does the TB12 diet. and See, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's going in the other direction. Yeah, he looks like he's aging faster. Yeah, he's getting the gray in the beard and a, you know, a little bit. Tom Brady is like, revert, like Benjamin Button. Yeah, kind of getting some of the wrinkles on the face. Like he's looking older. Tom Brady's going the other way. Also, cosmetic surgery has gotten a lot more advanced lately, Rowdy, and with Botox and whatnot. Can, I wouldn't know. Well, I'm just I'm I'm telling you, you could get like Botox anywhere now. You go to the dentist and get some Botox now. I'm not even kidding what? with you. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. I know. I haven't had it done, but I know. So Tom Brady, maybe he's getting his those those pearly whites clean, and he's like, yeah, give me a little Botox here and that forehead wrinkle in mine. Antonio Brown just upset me the last week. I got to get that wrinkle out. Maybe that's why he kissed his son. He had to make sure he still had feeling in his lips. <laughs> or he just really loves his son, Rowdy, just a little more than other people. And he wasn't he wasn't about to take a harassment file no, like, a, no. like a Deshaun Watson or anything. So he's like, son, come in here. I got to make sure. So, yeah, there you go. It could be the, Rowdy, the it could be Botox, or it could be the fact that Tom Brady like is huge on – what he puts in his body, diet-wise, drinks a lot of water, hopefully fluoride-free. And, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, what do we know about him? He's, he needed four fingers of tequila to get through the draft. Uh, do you think Tom Brady would be drinking four fingers of tequila? Tom Brady drank something when he was on the, when he was partying after the Super Bowl in uh, Tampa. Oh, yeah, because he was loaded. That was his one and, cheat day out of the year. And, by the way. Hey, hey, the, man's, the man's allowed one cheat day. Hey, okay? by the way. Tom Brady, he would still crush Aaron Rodgers in a beer chugging contest. Tom Brady can chug beer. He, yeah, Aaron Rodgers cannot. And yes. there's there's video evidence all over. There is. Damn. I guess I like Neo from the Matrix. Tom Brady is the one. I just it's unexplainable. And then Jay Krebs tweeting me at my Twitter account. Ebo says, says Brady is a bum. How is Brady a? I don't get the uh, how. Why is Brady a bum? Rowdy, how's Brady a bum? I don't know how you can say that one. Like, if, if you can call Tom Brady a bum, you can call everyone a bum. Hub Arkish, that's a bum. Ask Aaron Rodgers, the guy who won't vote for him for MVP. That's See, now, a bum. Hub is in a tough spot here because the clear-cut favorites now, to well, the clear-cut favorite has been Aaron Rodgers to win it, but your top two in odds are Rodgers and Brady. Hub seems like a guy that doesn't want to vote for either. Yeah. I'm going to say that he probably ends up still voting Jonathan for like a Taylor. Cooper Cup or a Jonathan Taylor. I could see him doing Cup or something, yeah, or 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 Taylor. Aaron Rodgers is going to be your MVP. 
It's funny. He's probably the guy that will throw a vote to Cooper Cup based on what he did this year, but he didn't throw a, a vote to Calvin Johnson back in the day. Oh, Hub Arcus screams gigantic hypocrite. Like, he screams hypocrite. Just, ugh. Just, ugh. And that's what the world is full of, hypocrites. So, Hub is just one of their leaders. Just check the blue check Like, mark. I feel like enabled to to throw a vote to, like, Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor, especially because we know that quarterbacks impact the game the most. And if you have a great one, you can be good every single year. But if you have a crappy one, mm-hmm. good luck being good. Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, they didn't break they didn't break all timer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Jonathan Taylor didn't reach two thousand yards. The we team saw, in the playoffs. Yeah, we saw AP do it after a, a knee injury. I wonder if Hub voted later. AP for a MVP. Because last time I checked, Adrian Peterson, um, don't Google him and you know his children or anything within a switch. Just saying. Like Hub. These days, if you're a receiver Wait till I tell you what AP did. Or a running back. You have to you have to like be the guy. You have to have one of the best seasons ever to get in the, those mentions. Obviously, those two did, but th- they weren't eclipsing. Like, wow. remember Chris Johnson? Yeah, he ran for over two thousand yards. Yeah, I mean Jonathan Taylor didn't get there, and they lost to Jacksonville. <laughs> yes, like, like come on, what are we talking about? I don't even see you take Aaron Rodgers off the Packers. They're not even making the playoffs. There's there's currently nine people listed. And on they this. had it wrapped up for the one seed, and they didn't have to play their starters the final game. I don't even they see T.J. To. Watt, and that's the guy that technically tied Strahan. tied a record, and he did it in fourteen and a half games. Where yes, Strahan didn't have a seventeen game season, but he played in all sixteen. T.J. Watt played in fourteen and a half out of seventeen. And Brett Still Favre laid down for Michael Strahan for his final sack for the record. He's I not even laying up for TJ Watt. He's not even in the top nine. And what is like, Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's there I don't, too. I don't get how anyone could vote for Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, no. or even Dak Prescott over a, a guy like TJ Watt. Same, but he's not. Up I there. mean, Dak set a cowboy record, but he did it in an extra game. Yeah, and he beat and Romo they, by one, and he threw five against five the JV Eagles. And they just dis- dismantled the Eagles, who didn't give a crap because they already locked in for the playoffs. I mean, there's a reason why T.O. said Tony Romo's his quarterback. That's my teammate. By the way, T.O. looking good at the national championship game. All right, Rowdy, when you look at the NFL playoffs, the Green Bay Packers will play the lowest remaining seed after the NFC wildcard games are completed. The lowest seed remaining for the wildcard games. Now, the matchups are... The seven-seeded Philadelphia Eagles playing the two-seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The six-seed San Francisco 49ers taking on the three-seed Dallas Cowboys. The five-seeded Arizona Cardinals taking on the fourth-seeded L.A. Rams. And we'll have the Razor's Edge coming up in about 15 minutes where Rowdy is gambling in the NFC wildcard weekend. But, Rowdy, looking here, is there a team that makes you nervous coming into Lambeau Field? Um, And who do you think would be the lowest seed remaining coming in? Like after Man. this week, or yeah, it's the lowest. The Packers will play the lowest seed remaining after the NFC Wild Card games are completed. Well, like Ben said, he likes the Eagles to beat the Buccaneers. Yep, I think that's a little crazy. I maybe would look at the Eagles to cover the game, but I think the Buccaneers win that one. Okay, so not the Bucks. Uh, you look at the 49ers and Cowboys. I think that's going to be a really good game in Jerry's world. And I anticipate because I mean. He might have taken them on the razor's edge at 650. The Rams to beat the Cardinals. 
So you would leak, maybe upset San Francisco coming I think into the, Lambeau? Yeah, I think the best spot for an upset is the 49ers and the Cowboys. So if there isn't an upset and seeds hold, it would be the L.A. Rams then, yes, coming into Lambeau Field for the divisional round. Packers have had the their number seed. the last couple of years. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has not won a playoff game ever since the boat, when he was pictured on that boat for the Giants, coming at the hands of the Packers. And you look at um, Matt Stafford. Now I know, spoiler alert, you're going to be taking the Rams over the Cardinals. Roddy will tell you why in about 15 minutes betting-wise. But Matt Stafford really doesn't show up in big games either, though. Like, Stafford's not a big game guy. But yeah. that was with the Detroit Lions. Okay, when people say Stafford's not a big game guy, you can count the number of big games he's played in on one hand. He played for the freaking Lions. <laughs> there was never a, The big game was when they played the Packers. Yep. Stafford, uh, God, I wish I could remember the stat. Finally this year, he got. he had beaten a team. I'll have to go look. Stafford had beaten a team that was five games over 500 for the first time ever in his career. But again, take that with a grain of salt as he played for the Detroit Lions. Well, I feel like wasn't there like a lot of Matt Stafford love like in the offseason and early in the season where the, the Rams started out pretty decent? That's what it was. When the Rams beat the Cardinals on the road December 13th, it was the first time that Stafford had beaten a team that was five games over 500 and a big-time road game for a team that was like X amount of games over 500. First time in his whole career. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying? Like There was a lot of love for Stafford when he finally left Detroit. And they're like, oh, he's going to the Rams. They got a lot of... They got a lot of uh, talent. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Stafford, great quarterback. And then they started out hot. I think they won, like, their first three games. And then they kind of had that dip after that first month of the season where it was like, oh, Matthew Stafford's not playing well. He's banged up. And there was kind of like a lot of, Matthew Stafford's actually not that great. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he you ended can take, up. You can take the man out of Detroit, but you can't take Detroit out of the man. Yeah, it was like a lot of that stuff. I don't know. He ended up throwing for almost 5,000 yards and 41 <laughs> touchdowns. I've always liked Stafford. The Rams finished 12-5. and five. I mean, in a normal normal year, they're 12-4 and four before the 17-game season. I'd say that's pretty solid. So let's say the Rams, hold, seeds hold, Rams come to Lambeau. Uh, Devontae Adams absolutely owns Jalen Ramsey. We've seen that, what, two games now? And Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau, Matt LaFleur at Lambeau, they own, especially Matt Stafford. They own Matt Stafford at Lambeau Field. And the biggest thing that you'd have to worry about is obviously them getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers with Aaron Donald in their front seven. But over the past two years, the Green Bay Packers have actually blocked Aaron Donald and that Rams front seven pretty well. Yeah. And not to mention that Bakhtiari looks like he's back. Josh Myers looks like he's back. I mean, Billy Turner still hasn't been ruled out. Yep. That offensive line's only gotten better. And, heck, even when those guys weren't in there, they were still a pretty decent line, especially for playing the twos and threes. Yeah. I feel like... Whoever comes into to Green Bay, I like Green Bay, obviously, except for the 49ers make me a little worried. Just because of what? Shanahan. Shanahan, Shanahan has dominated LaFleur in the past. They've out-physicaled the Packers in the past. That team has gotten healthier. Yeah, they've, they've shown gotten that, healthier. They've shown that they can run the ball with uh, with Elijah Mitchell. Um, Trent, I know... Trent Williams didn't play in the last uh, game of the regular season, one of the best uh, tackles in football, but I I bet that was more precautionary because the 49ers had a couple different ways to get in. Mm -hmm. Ah. The Packers played the Niners earlier this year. What was that, week three? They squeaked by 30-28. to Um, 
Yeah, the Niners are getting – I mean, the Packers are getting healthier. The Niners are as well. Packers just more healthy. Yeah, I would say in, in teams that I would be worried about out of those uh, teams that could potentially come to Green Bay, it would be 49ers 1, Rams 2, and then kind of the rest. I think Cardinals are on the decline here. They're, yeah. they're not playing well. Kyler Murray hasn't played well since his ankle injury. And, hell, I mean, they they went in to Lamb – or, I'm sorry, at uh, – State Farm Stadium in Phoenix and beat them without Devontae Adams. At that same time where they were saying Matthew Stafford was garbage and the, the Rams were making bad moves, that was when the Cardinals were like undefeated and Cliff Kingsbury was like the next big thing. And then the Packers beat them. Remember there was talk of firing Cliff Kingsbury this year? Yeah, it was like two weeks ago <laughs> after they started out 7-0. and Like they're on the decline. Uh, you also look at the Eagles – the only thing that you can talk about with the Eagles is the fact they run the football well, and the Packers' run defense overall for the past few years hasn't necessarily necessarily been that good. That'd be the only thing I'd look at for the Eagles that they can really run the football. Yeah, and they got to get by Tom Brady and yeah, the Buccaneers. They got to get by the Buccaneers. Stranger things have happened. Life is back on sports betters, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Dude, how about the Wisconsin Badgers? They jumped from 23 in the nation to 13th in the nation. And Johnny Davis, again, Big Ten Player of the Week, co-Big Ten Player of the Week, 27.3 points per game, 10 rebounds a game, and three assists. As the three games last week for the Badgers, including a win on the road in West Lafayette, Mackey Arena, where the Badgers, before they won that game, only won three other times since it was built in 1967. Purdue is the third-ranked team in the country. Johnny Davis, wow. That week he had was something special. And then, Rowdy, as I was surfing the World Wide Web, uh, I was just reading this college basketball power rankings. Gonzaga, Arizona, ACC, and Wisconsin are this week's winners. Player of the week, not only in the Big Ten, Johnny Davis, but also for these power rankings. They say the wooden award race has been as wide open as I've ever seen through the first two months of the season, but one name is beginning to emerge as the favorite for the best player in the nation. And that would be Wisconsin sophomore guard Johnny Davis. Dude, even the big-time publications are ringing the bell of Johnny Davis on how he is emerging as the frontrunner for the Wooden Award. How insane, how incredible is this? And again, Rowdy, if you don't uh, know, enjoy it while you can. Because he's leaving after this year. Well, I guess we're going to have to put another notch on the upward climb of Johnny Davis because, again, just to recap, he was projected as a late first, early second coming into the season. Mm -hmm. Then uh, after Maui, I believe everyone started to get the chatter that he was definitely a first-round pick. And then after, um, eh, we'll say right before Big Ten season, right at the start of Big Ten season, it was he's now a lottery pick. Mm -hmm. And now it's looking like uh, he's going – top 10, he's going to win player of the year, or he's right in the thick of it. It just keeps moving up and up as they play more and more games. But normally to be you know, the player of the year, you have to have a good team. You can't just be a good player on a team that got like yeah, just some guy 10th that place in the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, the Badgers are actually helping them out too. They really I mean, are. They're thirteen and two, four and one in the Big Ten. Like you mentioned, they beat Purdue, who's ranked third. They were one at one point. Uh, you look at some of the other teams. They beat Houston on a neutral in Maui. Mm-hmm. Well, technically Las Vegas, and Houston's ranked eleventh. Also, Houston lost a, a couple f- good that was players. A Final Four team. It was a huge win for them, and then not only that, but they they lost to number sixteen Ohio State was one of their losses. Mm-hmm. Who by the way is coming up on Thursday? Yeah, Ohio State also beat Duke, who was ranked one at the time. Correct, Amundo. And then you throw in Providence is ranked twenty third, and that was without Johnny Davis. And Johnny lost, Davis yeah. didn't play, and even the team without Johnny Davis made a comeback in the second half. They lost by five, and then you look at some of the other teams that are in that top thirty five. Well, they beat Indiana. They beat. Iowa like they've beaten a lot of these teams they're putting together a pretty good resume and then on top of all those wins they still have solid wins that are going to be like the the quad you know they talk about they're the quad quadrant. ones they're going to have good wins when it comes to the Texas A&M's and St. Mary's Marquette also this rowdy when the Badgers via Johnny Davis are punking these teams and beating these teams Johnny Davis has gone up against two other lottery picks now last week in college basketball what in Keegan Murray and then um, uh, Jay Nivey. And Johnny Davis has punked them both, saying, I am, I am the man in the arena. I am the guy on top of the mountain. It's he, been awesome. Yeah, you looked at he, – he completely dominated Jay Nivey in that matchup. Now, Keegan Murray – A different and, player, obviously. And, but Yeah, he's not, he's not really a guy that Johnny Davis is going to go head-to-head with like Jay Nivey. But who are, who are all the eyes on? Well, they had pretty comparable games if you look at them statistically. Obviously, Badgers won the game, and I feel like you have to give Johnny Davis a little more credit because there were times where Carter Gilmore was guarding Keegan Murray. Yes, Carter Gilmore, your buddy. That's Carter a, that's Gilmore. A, that's a huge drop-off to a big-time player guarding Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. They still had comparable numbers. Badgers still kicked ass. So check this out for Johnny Davis as well. According to ESPN stats and information data, Johnny Davis was just the fourth player over the past 25 seasons with 35 points and 10 rebounds and a win over a top five team. And the first since Maryland's uh, Vasquez did it in 2009. Former book. Yeah, for a quick, well, good memory, Rowdy. So and Johnny Davis uh, finished with 37 points, 14 boards, three assists, and two blocks, two steals in Mackey Arena on the road against the Purdue Boilermakers, the third team then in the country. Wow. See, if Wisconsin can get some revenge on Ohio State, because if you remember that Ohio State game, nobody played well. No. Nobody. Johnny Davis called out the big men after the game and said, you guys didn't even show up. They got dominated down low, and no one had a good game, and obviously Ohio State had a couple players that went off. If they can get a win in that rematch – and take care of business against Northwestern. Man, pulling two out of three in the next stretch of Ohio State, Northwestern, and uh, Michigan State, that's pretty big time. Six and two, you'd, you'd obviously have another big win against either Ohio State or Michigan State. That That's on your quadrant one wins. Badgers moving forward, hell, even if they went 500 the rest of the season, they're a tournament team. Yeah, they're. I mean, yeah, they're in. There's no doubt about it. It was... After the Houston game for the Maui Gym Maui Invitational in Las Vegas. So we got three times fast. After the Houston game, I'm like, put these dudes in the tournament now. The top six 
six or better. But now, I mean, what's the sky's the limit for the Badgers, right, Rowdy? Hell, and I even forgot to mention with some of their big or better wins is at Georgia Tech. That's an that was our first road, true road game of the past two years. Yeah, that's a decent basketball team on the road. You're getting a win. Yep. They're, I don't, th- this Badger team, I, I don't think they're like an Elite Eight, Final Four, or anything well, like with that. With a player like Johnny Davis, who knows? But I think it, if they got a, a good matchup, this team clearly could go to the Sweet 16. This team, Rowdy, if you got a player, the best player in the nation, like now Johnny Davis is, um, he's a front runner for the Wooden Award. If you got a player like that and you have nice pieces around you, I'm not saying like world beaters. Now, the big guys obviously need a little work. But some nice players around you, they could totally make a run. Johnny Davis can almost do it all. And then you see Brad Davison step up occasionally. You saw, what, Tyler Wall step up the other night with his career-high 21 points. You've seen Chucky Hepburn step up. The question is, can a guy like Stephen Crowell or a Chris Vote, which we've seen kind of Vote step up in big-time minutes, but can a Crowell step up? Because you need, a, you need, a, you need a, a feisty big guy down low. And right now the Badgers... Vote is that in some minutes, but he's not going to be a dude. That's... I just think right now they're too inconsistent with some of those guys. Oh, agreed. To, I mean, to that's make why a, you're... a real deep run. Well, that's why there's still time. It's, hell, it's not even March yet. You know, it's not even, it's not even well, February. I guess my first advice to Crow would be: we'll start eating. You, gotta, you got a couple months. You got to put on. You got to put on some weight, and I, I would uh, hope that you could put on a little bit more by February second, because that's when uh, Coburn comes into the. Cole Center. Yeah, Kofi Coburn. Or I guess a, actually they're on the road. but That guy's a monster. Our guy G-Dub says only nine weeks until the greatest day of the year, St. Patrick's Day and opening day of the tournament. Is that true? Is that on the same day? Because if it is, we're going to throw ourselves a hell of a party. An advantage of so Raymond in the backfield. Look at this trickery. Kennedy got a man. First down. Oh, another trickery. This time it's back to God. Got a man. It's caught by Wright. Racing to the end zone. Diving. Touchdown, Detroit. This is like watching my nine-year-old play Madden. It's just every fun play in the entire playbook from the year. Forget it. We're just going to run them. That was awesome. Oh, reverse flea flicker. Uh, When I was younger, we ran... Uh... Like a 38 pitch pass, we ran like Bushbone 38 pitch pass in a nine-year-old championship game. Scored a touchdown on that. Well, look at that—the trickery from the Detroit Lions to beat the Green Bay Packers. Uh, no tricks here. All treat with our friend Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. Evo, how are you? That's Tom Kennedy. He's the wide receiver who threw that pass uh, to Khalil Raymond for a 75-yard touchdown and. I mean, these guys are running Pop Warner plays that a nine-year-old. Yeah, he's he's played wide receiver, and he was asked, you know, have you ever thrown touchdown passes before? He says, yeah, when I was a nine-year-old Pop Warner football. <laughs> so, and then the Packers let him do it again. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, I mean, set aside the fact that, you know, the Lions, who, you know, they beat, they they shocked the world when they beat the Cardinals. They they held on to beat the Vikings, and they were close in a lot of games this year. But, the, you know, they're a three-win team, and they got lots of holes, particularly on their defense. But, um, you know, the Packers' defense gave up 37 points. And, you know, I'm watching, you know, from the press box, and I'm not seeing substitutions until late in the game. Um, 
Devondre Campbell, the inside linebacker, you know, who's got your most tackles this year, mm-hmm. he was rested because he's banged up. But the rest of those guys, you know, were all the starters. I did see one moment in the fourth quarter where Rasul Douglas was told to come off the field, and he's standing there and it's like, okay, I want to go back in. And they, they held him. They said, no, 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 no. And they put in um, Isaac Yadam, the guy that the number 24 that they traded, you know, Josh Jackson to the Giants for. And he's played on special teams. He was actually starting uh, when he was getting beat by uh, the Bears. And so they pulled him and put in Rasul Douglas, who played the rest of the game and, you know, became this star, leading team with leading the team with interceptions. So, you know, Yadam has been a question mark. Um, all year, it was. They basically, you know, the Giants and the Packers just swapped two defensive backs to say, okay, well, you know, maybe a change of scenery will help these players out. So as soon as he got in the game, that's when the Lions scored their final touchdown. They they handed it off to DeAndre Swift, and he ran right at him on the left side for a 14-yard touchdown. Mm. So I said to Lafleur, oh, you know, we had a press conference. We were, you know, in the room with him wearing masks and stuff, I said to LaFleur, so, you know, I know you made some substitutions on your defense, but what about these trick plays today? Um, what did you, how did you think your defense performed out there against the Lions? I, I would just say the consistency, you know. Defense, football in general, comes down to discipline and people owning their roles. And when you aren't disciplined or you go outside the scheme, bad stuff happens. And we, gotta, we cannot have that. We need all 11 doing their damn job. And if they don't, stuff like that happens. Ooh, a little feisty Matt LaFleur after the game. The the standard is the standard, right, Mike? And they did not meet the standard, losing to the Lions. You know, and LaFleur took about 10, 11 questions. The PR director had him on kind of a you know a pitch count for questions because they wanted to get another player to, and, and everybody else was waiting on the bus. And so, you know, the PR director goes, you know, two more questions. There's a couple more, and then there's still a whole bunch of people that didn't get a chance to ask a question yet. They traveled all the way to Detroit for this game. And uh, when the PR director, Jason, said, to, okay, thank you, LaFleur turned and says, I'm not done yet. Oh, hell yeah. And he took like six, seven more questions. LaFleur unleashed. I think he, I think he, you know, he felt um, he just wanted to comply with all the media people that had traveled and, and were covering the game and, and had legit questions about that game. And I think LaFleur wanted to get that stuff, you know, talking to his team. Sometimes these players are sitting there watching it on their phones while they're waiting for the coach to get on the bus. Um, I think he had some messages he wanted to send to the locker room from the podium. Now, some of these tick-trick plays, you know, they ran, they, they ran a fake punt that was incomplete. But do you remember last week um, – I had asked Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers' offensive coordinator, I told you that story about when Joe Philbin was the interim head coach after McCarthy got fired in 2018. Mm-hmm. He's got four games, meaningless games. They're not going to the playoffs. And so a great question for Philbin was, you know, why don't you guys, like, run the Wildcat? And Philbin said, why would I ever take 12 off the field? If you got Aaron Rodgers, why would you take him off for only one snap? You know, it's not like yeah. you're going to line them up at wide receiver. And I thought that was an interesting concept. You remember I played that clip on your show last week when I asked Hackett pretty much the same thing, and he, he found that intriguing. But, yeah, obviously they thought they've got enough guys on the perimeter, dynamic offense. And I also talked to him about all these teams that are that have been throwing touchdown passes to, you know, an eligible receiver, like an extra offensive lineman. 
And he joked, he said, I saw that too, I saw that too. So here you go against the Lions, and Dan Campbell's trying to fire up his team by just, you know, throwing all these trick plays, a fake punt. Um, they tossed it two or three times, and then Jared Goff hit uh, the tight end right. And then that one that went for 75 yards, Anonora St. Brown, this is the rookie, number 14. He's the younger brother of Equinemia St. Brown. And uh, the, the, the rookie here, he went to USC, was a fourth-round pick. And he says that Dan Campbell and the staff have opened up the offense the second half of the season since they demoted and yesterday they fired Anthony Lewis, their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think our coaches, I mean, they designed, I think, perfect plays. I mean, like you said, it was we ran against Atlanta. We ran at that play where I come across, get that handoff twice. Um, so actually before that play that Tom Kennedy threw, um, I'm lined up, and all I hear from the sideline is, 14's getting the ball coming across, 14's getting the ball, and I'm just smiling because I already know what's about to happen. So I get the ball. I mean, T, give it to TK, try to protect the edge of whatever I can, and TK just throws a dime to, to Khalif. So it was perfect. It was the Lions Super Bowl, essentially, Mike, and they, and they played like it. They balled out. They, they pulled out all the stops. Well, and what's so cool about this is, I mean, what the Lions did is they ran that play in Atlanta two weeks ago in the third quarter, not the first quarter. And when the version they ran is that um, St. Brown would hang on to the football and take it up the middle. This time he flips it back to that sweeping wide receiver, Tom Kennedy, who ends up being a passer and throws it to a wide-open you know, fellow wide receiver, Raymond, for a 75-yard touchdown. So, you know, Dan Campbell... Um, he got what he wanted, man. He beat the number one seed in the NFC at home in front of the hometown crowd at Ford Field and gave all the fans and the team, you know, some hope for, for next year. Um, man, that was uh, – I was proud of our guys. You know, we, we uh, went out and finished on a high note. I thought they, you know, in some regards I did think we played some of our best football. Um, there's still a lot that, you know, we always want to be able to correct and it'll never be perfect, but – we said we wanted to go take the hard road one more time, and our guys did that. They really did. They came out and competed and, uh, and, and earned that win. I was proud of them. Dan Campbell's had quite the uh, roller coaster of emotions up on that podium all season, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think he's growing as a coach, and we'll see what he comes up with offensive coordinator. You know, the biggest thing is that they got to improve the roster, but guess what? He's got the number two overall pick. In the draft, you know, going could have been the number one. Could yeah, have been. right. Well, yeah. Um, Al Lazard, in the last month or two, he's emerged as the number two receiver behind Devontae Adams for the Packers. They were hoping it was going to be MVS, but Marquez Veldez Scantling had the the hamstring injury that took him out for a month. Uh, then he got COVID. He left the game Sunday with a back injury. Don't know how serious that's going to be. But in the meantime, Lazard has has come through. He had the two touchdown catches, the one that he was bobbling and, and was able to hang on to in the end zone. And so, you know, we asked him as a veteran, like, okay, you know, you guys ended up just losing to the, to the you know, worst-rated team uh, in your conference. What's, what's going on in the players' minds right now? They're back in the locker room. And what was the most important thing you wanted to accomplish in Detroit here against the Lions? The biggest thing was just for us to get go out there and just to be able to play in rhythm. You know, I think we did a great job the first half coming out there with the starters and be able to kind of put some points up on the board. Um, just get into that rhythm, get into, you know, the play calling. You know, it's going to be another two weeks before we play a game again. So if we didn't play today, it would have been three weeks. Not the game one really wants to do that. We know what's at stake. You know, these past two years, we've come up 
one game short of, you know, our ultimate goal. So the big message is, you know, what are you willing to uh, to do to put yourself in a, in a better position to help this team out? Are you sacrificing your time? Are you putting the right efforts into your film and the practice and your recovery? And you get and making sure you're staying on your sleep? Or are you more focused on what's going on on social media? Yeah, it's nice to see those guys humming a little bit offensively into the playoffs, right? Alan Lazard, like you said, emerging as that number two. It's just the question comes in, like, what about that defense a little bit and the line with uh, more guys coming back healthy? Yeah, so David Bakhtiari was active for the game. He got 27 snaps in. And, you know, he thought that he was going to be back by October, let's say for that Kansas City Chiefs game. But he had a practice or two, had some sort of a setback. He was He'd never had a torn ACL before. So he was going to his teammate, Josiah DeGora, the tight end, who blew out his ACL last season. And then Brian Engel. You constantly hear the coaches and players talking about Flea. That's Brian Engel, the head trainer. He's nicknamed after one of the guys in Red Dot Chili Peppers. Um, Bakhtiari talked about, you know, so what happened when it looked like you were going to get back on in October, and the next thing we find out that you had to have your your left knee scoped in November. Uh, I had some... I had some feeling that it didn't feel normal, but for the time frame, it was supposed to be right. So I and I've never been through this before. So I was like, all right, I guess this is just how uh, everyone feels coming back. And I've talked to, you know, I was in constant contact with Brian and a couple other guys talking to Joe Size. We were going on the journey. Uh, frankly, I, I had more scar tissue than I wanted to laterally, and it was inhibiting certain movements and play in my knee. And then one other area, I don't want to get too much into detail, but. That just was uh, affecting when my knee was bending, which was creating more fluid. I mean, to be honest, I was when I was returning back, I was constantly sitting around 80 to 100 cc's of fluid, which is not comfortable at all. Uh, so now, getting you know, going back and having surgery, doing a couple other things, a couple other remedies outside, it really my knee finally started responding, cooperating, and all I can ask it to do is just. Like what I told the trans, I just want to be competitive. Just let my, you know, my knee doesn't be perfect, just needs to work. And, you know, if anyone knows having 80 to 100 cc's of fluid weekly is not conducive to be uh, explosive or, you know, it shuts down a lot of your quads. So for me, now I got it under control. It, it has fluid, but still it works. And that's all I can ask for. And, and eventually it'll uh, sort itself out. It is normal to carry some fluid. So that's why I'm happy with Ryan. Just wants to be competitive on a knee that works. And we'll take it, Mike. Yeah, neither they got a drain, so which is normal, I guess, for knee surgeries. I but guess. Um, you know, not for the highest paid uh, or second highest paid left tackle in the National Football League. And so there was this rumor going around that Rodgers had nudged Bakhtiari and both his rookie center Josh Myers to get back out there in this game against Detroit. Bakhtiari didn't really want to have to play his first game on the turf, but he ended up being out there for 27 snaps. And he was asked, "Is that true that Rodgers?" kind of nudged you into playing in the Lions game than wait for the first playoff game? Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I got a text from Aaron. He said, I'd love for you to be out there. It mean a lot. I wasn't really planning on it. My goal was just to, for me, just practice is most important. Putting consecutive days of practice, knocking off the rest in practice. I've played in more than enough games. It doesn't, I played in a bunch of playoff games that didn't really feel the need. Um, but when he texted me, I'm like, all right, See how it goes in practice. I liked how it was in practice. I'm like, you know what? Like I said, I didn't want to exactly be on turf. I'm like, let's, let's do it. It's quite fun. I'm out there, and I think it was, you know, more for him than uh, for me. I mean, I felt good. I liked, uh, I liked where my feet were. I liked where my hands were. Um, get all things considered, 
obviously some things to work on, some things to feel out, but uh, was very pleased with my first you know, 20-something reps in over a year. Yeah, that's insane, right? The last uh, day of December, what, 2020, uh, he, he you know tears the ACL, and it was just nice to see him on, on the field for limited fashion. It was just nice. Right, and I think it gives Rodgers comfort that he's got his best left tackle out there for whoever they're going to face in the first or second round of the playoffs. So Sunday night, after an exciting Sunday night football game goes into overtime and the Raiders eliminate the Chargers, Michelle Trafoya is talking to Derek Carr, and Derek Carr uh, let out this story. Yeah. Congratulations. This game had everything. Yeah. How would you describe the emotions it brought out of you from beginning to end? How do you describe this? Um, you know, I'll have a lot of emotion later, probably. Um, there's been a lot of heartache, a lot of hard times, uh, a lot of fight, a lot of grit. We knew no matter what, we didn't want to tie. We wanted to win the football game. Obviously, my mindset all day, I even was texting with Aaron Rodgers this morning. Uh, this morning, yeah, My mindset was to make sure that we were the only team moving on after this. What, what were you texting Aaron Rodgers about this morning? He's always been good to me since I came into the league. So, Aaron, appreciate you, man. Um, but we became friends now and we talked. So uh, I appreciate his encouragement today. I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your, your team and your organization <laughs> and your fan base the way he did. I, I think he's a bad guy. <laughs> Hub Arkish. What a clown. That's funny, man. So, you know, you got Derek Carr saying, I got Aaron Rodgers encouraging me. You got Bakhtiari saying, yeah, that, you know, Dr. Rodgers told me it's time for me to get back on the field. Now there's this story yesterday. It's not to be not surprising with the Jaguars opening. They want to interview the Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. That was his last job before he came to Green Bay as offensive coordinator. But then the Broncos, and George Patton, formerly from the Vikings, wants to talk to Hackett too. Then this morning's report that the Broncos also want to talk to the Packers quarterback coach, Luke Getze. So You've obviously... if they hired Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, what's going on? Are they opening the door for 12 to go to an AFC team and to Denver? And, you know, we do these, we do these pressers now on Zoom. So I had to do this one from home. This was earlier this year when Hackett was perhaps up for a, a, a Falcons job. And here's how the press conference went, and there was a little interruption from my household. You've obviously talked about how much you appreciate him in the past. Why do you think he'd be a good head coach? Well, to my knowledge, he hasn't had the interview yet, but I, uh, I have talked with him. Uh, I think one of the – I don't know what that was. That was awesome, though. But I think one of the, uh, one of the prereqs to being a good head coach is presence in front of a room. You know, you have to have – uh, the kind of innate charisma and ability to uh, captivate your audience. And part of that captivation is in the way you talk. I think those are underrated qualities that a coach can have. Nate has all those things. He's able to captivate uh, the audience, which is usually the offense, anytime he gets up in, in his meetings. Uh, to have a uh, you know, beautiful wife and four kids and all the demands that being a father has on you and then to be able to bring it every single day at the facility is uh, very admirable. So he's been around football a long time. His dad, obviously, you know, one of the legendary coaches of this profession. So he has the pedigree, but his presence, you know, he brings such a great positive energy uh, to a room. And I think any team would be lucky to have him leading their squad. Mike, what was that in the background there? What was happening in your house? My wife, Cindy. 
She's sneezing? She's sneezing. She's sniffing some pepper or something cooking? Or what? No, no. It's just she's home working, too, so she's over in the <laughs> den, and it goes through the kitchen dining area and then the kitchen, which is all hardwood she floors, and then back to where our office is, you know? And it's like, it's like uh, you know, you get this nose, hey, Rogers is going to talk in 15 minutes. You're not allowed in the facility, but it's going to be on Zoom, so just do it from wherever you are. So you log on, and you say, okay, everybody in the house, be quiet, be quiet. And then Rogers is trying to talk, and you get this. Captivate. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was awesome. <laughs> That's funny, Mike. Yeah. Uh, so then you get off the Zoom call and say, well, congratulations, Jerry. You're just on the statewide network. Congratulations. <laughs> and Rogers doesn't know what it was, but it was awesome. It was awesome. Man. Mike, you're awesome with your reports. We love the, the tale that you tell. We'll follow along Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter and Bill's show, Grant's show, my show as well. Good stuff, Mike. Thank you, you both. See you, buddy. Achoo! All right, that's Mike Clemens. 